Welcome to Interviews with Innocence, a podcast about spirituality, consciousness, and exploring the wisdom our children bring into this world. I believe that our very young children are our greatest teachers. After all, they're the masters of living in the present moment, bubbling in unconditional love, enjoying the messiness of life, and curious about the universe in all its dimensions. The pure essence that young children exhibit lives within all of us. My hope is that these interviews will help us discover, embrace, and connect with the sacred core of childhood that resides within each of our hearts. I am your host, Marla Hughes. Today, I am so excited to have Suzanne Giesman on the show. Suzanne is a messenger of hope, a mystic metaphysical teacher and medium who shares the awakened way, a path to knowing who you are and why you are here. Whether in her books, her classes and workshops, her weekly radio show or one-on-one sessions, Suzanne provides stunning evidence of life after death. She is a former U.S. Navy commander who served as a commanding officer as an aide to the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Suzanne's gift of communication with those uh, on the other side has been recognized as highly credible by noted afterlife researchers. She brings messages of hope, healing, and love that goes straight to the heart. Welcome to the program, Suzanne. Thank you, Marla. I just love the energy that you're creating here already. Oh, yeah. It's such a beautiful bio. So um, let's just start at the beginning. Can you just briefly tell us how you went from Navy commander to, to being a medium and a mystic and a healer? Yes. It's nothing that I anticipated at a conscious level. I never, ever imagined I would be doing this work when I wore a military uniform or anytime growing up. I'm not what's known as a born medium. I did not ever see spirits. I didn't know there was an afterlife. I thought about it. I used to read books about these people called mediums, and I was fascinated, but I had no reason to go see one until my stepdaughter was struck and killed by lightning in 2006. And that just knocked the wind out of our sails. Literally, we had been sailing in the, um, we sailed across the Atlantic and we're in the Mediterranean, my husband and I on our sailboat. That was our home. When we got the word that Susan had been killed, she was a Marine on active duty. We uh, flew back to the funeral and multiple events in a row changed my life so much more than any event up to that point. Seeing Susan's body in the coffin was the first in a series of huge wake-up calls because I just knew then you can't kill the spirit. I knew the spirit was real because that body was so clearly not Susan. I knew that the essence of her was something intangible that couldn't die. So I set my goal then and there to find her, to connect with her spirit. And I won't go into a whole lot of detail, but that has been my path. And along the way, discovered that not only can I connect with Susan, but with other loved ones as well. And that, that Navy background, being aid to the head of the U.S. military, 
you know, you, you really have to have attention to detail, be very left brain, analytical and logical. And that's been both a benefit and a detriment to this work, but it has forced me to insist. Yeah. I want to say, do I insist on evidence from the spirit world? Yes. Because they know that if I don't get really good, verifiable information about those across the veil, I'm not going to continue doing this work. And so that's what we get. Right. That's so beautiful. And I remember reading that um, it started, I think, on a hike with your husband, Ty, and a butterfly kept following you. And that was kind of the beginning, the beginning of the journey. Yeah, that first week after she passed, I kept asking Susan, let me see you let me know you're around. And I didn't really understand how all of that worked at the time. I thought she might materialize on the path if I prayed hard <laughs> enough, you know, and, but instead, she sent us butterflies in ways we could not deny. And it, that's what really just kept me going and kept me learning and growing. And it's been a beautiful journey. Yeah. Uh, well, you're doing such amazing work. And for my listeners, um, I think the documentary is called Messenger of Hope. Messages that, of Hope. Messages of Hope that tells about your background, which is just just profound. So I'd like to begin with a few questions that I know you've answered so many times with your guides and Sanaya. And, but my, um, my listeners, a lot of my listeners are very new to this. So um, my first question is about when someone passes, um, about exit points in destiny. Does, does one choose their exit point before they come to this earthly realm? And on another side of that, do they choose their families? So what's interesting about you saying, I've answered this a thousand times or a hundred times, is that I've learned that everything is only happening now. So I'm, I could be very human and just spout off what I've spouted off a hundred times, but I've learned it. If I tune in right now to higher consciousness, we might even get a different twist on that. So exit points, I'm being shown an exit sign off a highway. And I'm being shown that just when you go, just as when you go on a journey, there are various exits you can take and that life in physical form is no different. And they're not talking about suicide. They're talking about the soul knows if it has fulfilled what it came here to experience. And so at a soul level beyond our awareness here, we decide, is it time to go or stay? And my Susan's passing, I believe was clearly, that was one of her exit points because she had a serious rollover car accident not long before she passed by lightning strike. That car accident didn't harm her. And I feel that it's like spirit said, no, you're really supposed to go because there's a greater purpose here. Right. And so we had to get something a little bit more serious, like a lightning bolt. So if we, a lot of people who have near-death experiences come back to tell about it. That was an exit point. They were given a choice and they decided to come back. Right. When I say that, I hear so many grieving people in my head saying, does that mean my loved one had a choice and they didn't come back? Didn't they love me? And we're always asked to see the bigger picture, the bigger picture. They're not gone. They are still part of your life. Now, what are we going to do with that? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for that. Um, so do you, um, do people choose their families? I would say absolutely to that. We're all part of one great soul. They're ultimately, and I've never shared this before, is only soul. 
That's the light of consciousness with a capital S, just that we talk about it as the self with a capital S, it's soul. Consciousness expressing itself in so many ways. And through us, it, it individuates into smaller selves or souls. But ultimately we're all part of one family of beautiful lights. And then we group and group like cells and clusters of cells. And so the group of souls that you're with now have known each other for all eternity as the one soul, but as they differentiate into smaller clusters, you go around and around and around with these same groups and say, well, how can we have the most interesting experience with each other if we come back as you're going to be my parents and I'm going to be your child, or maybe this time I'm going to be your brother and I'm going to be your sister. It's food for thought. We can't prove it till we get to the other side, but it certainly is born out in, in the information that comes through in readings and regressions. I, I love that. So let's, let's talk a moment about suffering. Um, why do you, why do you not think, I know that you receive the answers, but there's so much suffering in this world. Do, do people choose that because that those are the lessons that they've decided that they want to experience? This, I'm, I'm kind of moving my hands back and forth because this is the paradox and it, everything that happens here depends upon our point of view. Do you see this world around you and that, that world in which you're participating from the viewpoint of the limited smaller light or soul or self or do you see it from the larger viewpoint as the one soul having all these experiences for the experience of it this is getting into deep metaphysics so i'll try to keep it light (laughs) but suffering happens when we don't realize or remember we are all one being one light and it's like when we go to a movie We willingly enter the theater, even if it's a horror movie or a big drama, knowing we can leave at any time and walk out and there's always gonna be a nice peaceful lobby outside the theater. But we go in and we willingly get caught up in the drama and we actually are are so absorbed in it, we believe it's real for a little while. And then when it becomes too much, we step out in the lobby and take a big breath. That's exactly what this life is like. We are the light that decides to incarnate. That's going into the theater. And when we get caught up in the drama, we really suffer. Watch people coming out of a movie with a horrible ending. They're just horribly suffering till they remember, oh, it was a movie. And so when we forget that we are acting out experiences as consciousness for the experience of it, for the contrast and ultimately the the joy that comes from remembering, ah, we willingly took on these experiences, but ultimately we cannot be harmed because there's so much more than this limited experience here in the drama on earth, then the joy ultimately is there. So suffering is not a choice when you're unaware you're playing a role it is optional once you wake up to who we really are. It reminds me of, of a young child who goes into the theater and is so, you know, starts crying or so incredibly upset. And their parents say, well, you know, honey, it was just a movie. And 
they say, you know, it was real. I saw it. Yes, yes, of course. And that doesn't make this life any less real. What is reality is what you are experiencing. Right, right. Mm -hmm. I work in Ethiopia and I work with the poorest of the poor, including um, children. And I see a lot of children suffering. What, What is that all about? Again, it's about the contrast that when there's nothing to compare pure bliss and joy with, we don't enjoy, we don't have the fullness of the experience of that. Does that mean that some people got the short end of the stick? No. We, when you realize our ultimate oneness, you can't have joy without suffering. When we keep that bigger picture and hold in our hearts that those beautiful lights who are suffering are also the same being as we are, then we get to practice our compassion and our service such as you're doing and bring more light to them. It's all one interconnected web. And we have to believe that at a very deeper level, the souls of those children in Ethiopia knowingly entered the drama and it to play that role. It, it's a very, it, when you're in the drama, it seems perverted and, and perverse. And yet from my connections daily with this incredible intelligence that is us, a process of, of connecting and growing together, you can't deny that that intelligence is running the show, but it's not separate from us. We are it. So we can dig deep and find that connection and say, this isn't right. I don't like the way this drama is going. So I accept that's how it is now. How can I help? That's really interesting because when I do work with these children, when I think about it, I, I see them in my own mind, you know, suffering, but they're actually so joyful. I was just going to say, I'll bet, Marla, you've had the chance <laughs> that they're some of the most loving children. Oh, yeah. Amazing. And yeah. grateful and, and just full of life. And even though they, some don't have as much food as they would like, but they, oh my gosh, they're just beautiful, beautiful beings. So, and, and suffering pain does happen, but everything is temporary. I don't wish pain on anyone, but it does cause many people to wake up, to act more loving, to find that love in themselves. And that's just the way our world works with the ups and downs. You cannot have good without bad and vice versa. Right. Right. The duality. Um, well, I listened, recently listened to one of your interviews titled, What's the Point of All of This? So I love the title. Um, so I know what the answer is. <laughs> what is the point of all of this? <laughs> it really is for the experience of consciousness to simply experience the joy of being. It really is. And when you see the pain, you say, well, I don't, I don't get that. And that just go back, rewind and listen to the last question. I don't remember what I even said in that interview, but as I tune in now, if we were simply the light without expressing our true nature, it would seem like just darkness. If the light shines in the darkness, 
there's nothing to reflect it back. There's nothing but darkness, even though it's light shining. Try to shine a light on a tree. It'll go through the branches. And where there's no branch, there's darkness. So the light just is. In order to experience the joy of being, it has to express itself and arise as something other than itself. And that's what we are. Even though we're not apart from it, we are apparently other. It's, it's again, paradoxical, but it's for the experience of it. So how are we doing at expressing source? Well, it's, it's also interesting because I've interviewed a lot of near-death experiencers and and wow, they have they have a lot of the answers to these to these hard questions, hard questions too. And your answer was what you you just said, but in in sort of a different way because it was all about love. But that's what you're that's what you're talking about. Oh yeah, love to me <laughs> is, and I, I want to I always say the same thing, but let's just check right now. Love is the joy of connection, the joy of knowing we're all connected, and. It's when you, know, when you fall in love with somebody, you don't see any of their faults. All you feel is the connection. And we right. call that love. But truly, love is the underlying reality of everything because ultimately everything is connected mm-hmm. vibrationally. Right. Yeah. So how has Suzanne Giesman changed from when you were a commander in the Navy to who you are today? Personally, I'm so much more peaceful. I am joyous most of the time. When I get knocked off balance, I get back so quickly. I don't have these deep ups and downs. So much more aware. I love everyone. (laughs) I may not like Oh, I just got corrected on that. I try so hard not to say I don't like anyone. I may not resonate with everyone. That's what it is. But it's just the peace and the joy. And I wake up each morning with such a sense of excitement. What's going to happen today? Doesn't mean I don't have challenges. Oh, I cry sometimes and I grieve. But I know that that's the role I, the capital I, self chose to take on and it's not without its pain but i'm so full of inquisitiveness because i know that i've only scratched the surface of all that we could know and understand and that's so exciting i i almost don't want to go to sleep at night because there's so much to discover (laughs) i love that (laughs) nice i remember that also in an interview, you were sharing um, what you learned from the other side about the reunions when one crosses over. Can you can you elaborate on that a little bit? Well, it's just like here. Why do we cry when we were standing in line at an airport in security and we watch people come out and they get reunited with their family and they cry and they hug and we cry and we hug. I remember a bunch of military folks and in, in, in a unit and their families waiting to welcome a soldier home. And I was going through security. I stepped out of line because. I didn't want to miss it. I just had to stand and and the the soldier came through and all the banners and the hugs and I'm crying. That's what it's like across the veil. We, our loved ones across the veil are so with us while we're here. They're still part of our lives, but we don't see them. And they know that they're trying to get our attention. But so many times we miss the signs. We miss the communication. So finally, it's face to face, like, welcome back to full awareness that 
we never left each other. It's that kind of joyous reunion. And then some of you are saying right now, well, I didn't really get along with my parents. Do I have to see them again? These are souls. It's a soul to soul reunion. And then you recognize you were playing a role and you can hang on to that role as long as you want across the veil or not. So it's, there's, it's not, oh, it's not a painful reunion. It's joyous. And one of the most beautiful things that I see quite often in my readings is when one on the spirit side shows this sign and they they take their hands up by their eyes and throw up in their hands that means my eyes have been open across the veil i understand now who we are i was wrong about this or that i can't wait for you to see that i've awakened and i love you and it was always all about love ah beautiful so let's talk about children of course that's my that's my passion and I believe that when a child is taught that love connections are possible after a loved one or beloved pet passes and that there's something bigger and more wondrous in the world, um, I believe an inner strength develops. And I think of when a child would be, you know, sad or lonely and being, have been taught that the person is still, you know, is still here in a way and, and given maybe rituals or ways to connect with them and how wonderful that would be for them. So I guess my question is, what do you, what do you feel about that? How do you think that would change humanity if we taught our children what we have learned from NDE wisdom, from your experience? I know that it would change the world. It would bring more love and compassion into our world. But at the same time, and this is very strange, if our world of duality means you have to have the good with the bad, you have to have love and those who don't understand love, we're gonna be out of balance if we don't still have people who are asleep. So what we do is just keep evolving and letting consciousness rise as it is. You see more people coming to understand this. And hopefully we will have more on the loving side than those who are not loving to each other. But I really feel that we're not going to have this mass awakening that totally upsets the, the way, the nature of things with the duality. But at the same time, how beautiful to let children know at a young age, you, those aren't imaginary friends. I honor what you're seeing. Those are your, your helpers in the spirit world. Yes, that is grandma you're seeing across the veil. I can't see her, but I know you do. That kind of thing to encourage children. So maybe they won't lose that awareness quite right. so easily. Because they already know when they're mm -hmm. at such a, such a young age. Yeah. Yes. And I think that eventually, well, I actually just wrote a book about um, helping children um, with the topic I just, just talked about, but I envision some in a very childlike manner, being able to tell about some of the near death experiences too, to children. So they have, I'm sure you saw the movie soul from Disney. Have you seen it? Yes. No, I just heard about it. The oh, other day, so I need to okay. See it. Yeah, you should watch that. And one, one friend of mine said his daughter now feels like that when someone goes to heaven, this light, I mean, this really beautiful, you know, vision of what they, they showed in soul. And it is beautiful because it talks about 
knowing about the eternal, but then how that can help you be a better person, be the best yes. you can be and, and spread love and be love while That's you're the bottom in, line, isn't it? Yes. Yes. While you're in this earthly realm. So I, I also listened to your interview <laughs> when you talked about believing versus knowing this all is, this all is true. Can you tell us about when that, when that happened? It's a process again. <laughs> There have been, I was just thinking yesterday, multiple pivotal moments when I just knew there is a greater intelligence than what's in this limited being right here. And there are moments, I call them my NOEs. We've talked about NDEs, near-death experience. People could talk about OBEs, out-of-body experiences, et cetera. STEs, spiritually transformative experiences, but I've had, and we all have NOEs, which are no other explanation moments that take away the doubt that change you from belief to knowing beyond a doubt, this role I'm playing is limited. And there, there's a veil here and the body is the veil that's keeping me from seeing the, that we are all our light and expression, but I know it's running the show. Yeah. yeah and it's a beautiful thing. And it, even though I know I keep having these NOEs and I love them, that's part of the joy of being here. Right. May yeah. it never end. May I never lose the awe because what's the point of all this? <laughs> there you go. If it, if we don't have that childlike sense of wonder. So I hope that that those who are listening today, that I'm somehow infectious. <laughs> with, yeah, you, with that. you are, you definitely are. <laughs> with that said, do you have a, you've become one of the most, I don't like to use the word famous, but one of the most recognized mediums that's not a good word either anyway lovable <laughs> we'll use the word lovable <laughs> and, and even though you're lovable it's you're evidential and you bring out so much evidence it was funny I wanted to I was um with Raymond Moody uh, oh gosh it was probably about a year ago and we were talking about this sort of work because he's not really that and he said but then there's Suzanne Giesman <laughs> Oh God. <laughs> well, that's that's an honor because that's my goal to bring credibility to mediumship through the evidence. So it sounds like I'm on mission here. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so do you have a story that you could share with the I know you have a million of them, but one of your favorite stories that you could share with us when when no, I'm not going to share a favorite one. I'll tell you one that's so hot off the press, I'm still glowing from it. How's oh, that? wonderful, perfect. Yeah. And, and so never before heard, I don't have permission to share this, but it's so uh, anonymous that, that it won't betray anybody's confidentiality. But I did a reading this morning and this is what I asked for spirit from every, every reading that I give. Tell me something I couldn't possibly know that lets your loved one know you're right here. You're part of their life still. And this woman told me up front she wanted to hear from her father. And I have a system, I know you know this, and, and it helps me to know who's coming in because I just sense the presence. And so right away I get pulled in my system to the right. And that means you have either a father or a grandfather. Now, right away, I feel this man here and he literally showed me with his hand 
pulling on a horn and he said, toot, toot. And I knew it was a train. He's joking around. So this is not just data out of the air. This is a being here who's cleverly interacting with me real time. Toot, toot. And I've learned to just report everything objectively to my client. And I told her what her father was doing. And I then I tried to interpret it. But I'm just now tuning in. So I said, the, the only thing I can think of if a train isn't significant to you is that my father was a railroad engineer and drove trains so this is your father's clever way of showing me this is your dad but you see and i said this to her i have another way that parents show me this is your dad they say daddy dearest every time that means it's not a stepfather a father-in-law or, or whatever this is your dad but this man didn't say this he went to to she didn't say a thing because I don't like to get a lot of feedback from my right. sitters, my client. The next thing dad did, I said, he's showing me holding up a hammer. He's hanging pictures on a wall. That's the motion he's making. I know that's what he's doing. He shows me one after another one, two, three. And it has to do with you. So I don't know if you just hung pictures, but hopefully that makes sense to you. She didn't say a word. We went on with the rest of the reading and it was so beautiful. He showed me so many verifiable things about himself. And as the reading was coming to an end, she said, I have to show you something. I said, okay. She picked up her computer and we were on Zoom, turned it around so the wall she had been staring at. And there on the wall were three framed pictures. Two were documents, diplomas. And the one in the middle, a photo her father had taken of a train. Oh my gosh. So this is, wow. this is again, showing how clever those in spirit are. And you, you, can you feel the joy of that dad in that moment where she and I celebrated at the end of the reading, my God, he was so clear right from the start. She wow. knew from the moment that reading started, this is my dad. And we spent a beautiful hour together, a family reunion and all the other things that he shared and his messages of love, just icing on the cake, right? Wow. Wow. What? What does the other side tell you what it's like there and what they what they do, how they spend their yeah. well, there's no time, but they say that it's very much like here. It seems very solid and physical. It is real because it's their experience, yet it's much more creative and instantaneously what they want to experience is their experience. So it's very much like a lucid dream. When you're dreaming and you know you're dreaming, well, in a lucid dream, you can kind of control the dream and say, well, I want to do this and that. But in the, the afterlife, which is really the ongoing ever life, it's, you have much more control. I want to go look in on my loved one, what they're doing right now. Every reading I give, they tell me current events in the person's life to yeah. show that they're part of their life. Uh, some of them are traveling to different places. Some of them are helping researchers here by impressing their consciousness with ideas. Some of them are helping new arrivals across the veil. Some are just doing things they never had a chance to do while in human form. Some of them don't need to continue having these very earthly experiences and they just drop the clothes, put on a robe, become more of a shining being of light and interact with the higher beings. It all depends 
on what the individual aspect of the light wants to achieve and what level of awareness they achieve while still here in a body. You know, this is so incredibly, uh, it makes me so warm in my heart and so happy. Why do you think people are so afraid to, to do the research and to, uh, to believe uh, this sort of thing? I mean, because, it's- Because if you do the research and believe, you then have to do what I have to do, completely change your worldview, completely mm-hmm. change your idea of who you are. And that's upsetting to a lot of people who just hold on and say, I don't want to change. I like life, predictable, but we life is so much more predictable than we think. And when we learn to let go and flow with it and learn new things and open to new things, you want miracles? That's what it takes. Be willing to change and open to new things. You want joy? Like the milk commercial, right? Got joy? Got freedom? <laughs> then be open-minded and start being an explorer. Right. Well, I've certainly, I'm a totally different person since yeah. I've, I've gone on this journey. So we need to wrap it up. But um, um, my last question is, if you could take a walk with your six or seven year old self as a little girl, um, what would you say to her? Wow. I would say, Susie, mm-hmm. your mom and dad don't remember who they are and they love you so much, but they may not always be able to show it. So don't be afraid when your mom gives you that look and know that your dad is doing his best and know that you always have helpers at your side. You can talk to them silently, but you are so loved. Never forget that. Beautiful. Yeah. Hmm. Well, thank you, Suzanne, so much. And if people want to reach out to you, um, how would they how would they do that? Well, Marla, you know, I've just so enjoyed talking to you. And when you said you've changed so much, I want to know how you have changed. So I'm going to get you on my radio show <laughs> if you will do me that honor. I would be honored. Okay. So people can reach me. Well, they can listen to three years worth of radio shows yes. and <laughs> hundreds of YouTube videos. And my website is my name.com, And you can get lost in that website. We try to make it yeah. navigable. Well, there's a lot of free material and gifts there. And then we have the daily messages from spirit. So I, I, there's a just such a beautiful community of people who want to live positively. And we found each other. My Facebook page is a totally positive site. People don't maybe 0.00005% of the time somebody says something snarky and it just stands out because it's so unusual. They yeah. come there and they feel the love and it's a safe haven. And that's the way I hope it that anything I do will be. So yeah. don't you have a new website where your daily messages? Uh, daily dailyway.org okay, is great. where you can find those and subscribe to get them by mail if you like every day by email. But that page is actually part of my website. It's right. it's a different landing page. Okay. Yeah. Well thank you. Is there anything you'd like to share that that I didn't ask? Any words of yes, that anybody can connect with spirit, that 
I'm living proof of that. I'm just a normal girl from a little town in Pennsylvania, grew up in a, you know, middle-class family with just no idea any of this was out there. And it's part of our normal path to, to become blinded to who we are and then enjoy the process. So if any of this has intrigued anyone listening, just start asking higher consciousness to guide you. Oh, I just put on YouTube a video. It's called Sip of the Divine. So they can go to YouTube and go Suzanne Giesman, Sip of the Divine. A beautiful three-minute practice to start asking questions of higher consciousness. And that will start you down a path that is hopefully going to be filled with wonder and miracles. I can't wait. I'm going to go listen to it right now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, thank you so much. I've, I've really enjoyed talking with you and you, hopefully I'll see you at a, a conference soon or something, but I, I really appreci- appreciate our time together here. Me too. Thank you. Um, you take good care of yourself. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you want to learn more about the show, you can find us at interviewswithinnocence.com and on Facebook or Instagram at interviewswithinnocence. Please write me a message. Tell me what you liked and let me know what else you would like to hear. I would love to hear from you. And if you liked what you heard, please leave us an iTunes rating and review. It helps other listeners find the show. Thank you. Thank you.